Hi, I'm Jago Wynn, and welcome to the HTC Daily Podcast. We as a church are meeting daily on Zoom to speak to God in prayer and to hear from God in the Bible. For those of you who can't join us live or who want to listen again, we're featuring the Daily Bible Thought as we journey through Matthew's Gospel in the first part of 2021, and we're also including how we're being encouraged to pray each day. Today, it's Livy Wilkinson. Good morning, everybody. Um, we have got a passage this morning that centres all around Jesus's burial, which I'm aware is an interesting one to do this side of the Easter weekend. Um, but this last weekend has got me thinking really about where my thoughts are and how I sort of give my time to really thinking about the Easter story over the Easter weekend. And I don't know about you guys, but my family, um, the priority over the Easter weekend is a good barbecue (laughs) and family time. Um, And we might give Jesus's death a little bit of time on Good Friday and we might pop to church on Easter Sunday. But I rarely sort of journey that weekend and I definitely rarely give much time to the gap between Jesus's death and his resurrection. So we're going to have a think about that this morning and sort of sit in that interim period. Um, as you can see on the screen at the moment, this, these are sort of the the big points of the Easter weekend. And, and that middle one, um, the burial of Jesus, is so often overlooked as we sort of rush to the resurrection. Um, and there are two followers of Jesus mentioned in the passage today, um, and they respond in quite extraordinary ways to this very painful interim period. And just bear in mind that every time we look at the cross, we can look at it through the lens of knowing what is coming on the Sunday. But on that first Easter weekend, even though Jesus had predicted his death and resurrection at various points during his ministry, those Um, followers of Jesus at at that time um, had emotional responses to his death. They would have been grieving and they could so easily have let all of their hope die with Jesus on the cross. Um, But we're going to have a look at how they respond instead. So Matthew 27, 57 to 61 Um, And just before we read this, have a think about how the response shows um, possible answers to some of these questions. So what do we do when it looks like our hope has faded before our eyes? How do we respond when everything crumbles? How do we approach Jesus when it seems that Jesus is silent? So let me read verse 57. As Evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself become a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus's body, and Pilate ordered that it be given to him. So Joseph took the body, he wrapped it in clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb. So Jesus has just died. 
Joseph, who is not the father of Jesus, but this other guy, Joseph, um, approaches Pilate and asks for the body in order to bury it. And I don't know about you, but I already think this is extraordinary, even though it's a very simple action, because the backdrop to this action is that he has just seen, we're still on the Good Friday, we're still on the day of Jesus's death. And so he is he could rightly and probably be feeling completely broken having just lost Jesus, having just lost his loving Lord. What emotions is that bringing up? Um, The emotions of grief and shock can be utterly paralysing. So how did this guy have the strength or clarity of mind to be thinking so practically? Um, How did he approach Pilate, who... Um, we heard about on Thursday, had had allowed the people to release Barabbas rather than Jesus. So he'd essentially orchestrated Jesus's death. Um, and so in such a raw and fragile place, how did this Joseph do what he did? Well, I think that in spite of his pain, his love for Jesus drives him. So he'd seen enough and heard enough from Jesus to know that even with Jesus not being alive, he was still worth pursuing. So in bleak circumstances, he loves Jesus enough to let it propel him to still give his all. And we see in verse 60 that he actually gives his own new tomb. So he gives what was meant for him, what he could have kept for himself, um, even in such a painful place. And there's a beautiful tenderness to his actions that actually sort of reflects the way that when Jesus was alive, he would have operated with people. So Joseph's response here is the first response in in hopelessness situation in a hopeless situation is that like when all hope seems lost, keep giving everything to Jesus keep persevering in the way that Jesus would have done and trust that the Lord will fulfill his promises. The second extraordinary response um, is from Mary Magdalene and her relationship with Jesus is, is really beautiful. It's really intimate and she depends on him so wholeheartedly. We see that in lots of moments in the Gospels and she um, met Jesus in in the in the lowest moment when she actually had seven demons inside of her and once Jesus had healed her her default setting um was total obedience to him and she's amongst those named at the crucifixion in, in John's gospel and so her love for Jesus leads her leads her also to stand with him until the end where others maybe fled yet here she is and all we know is that she is sat uh opposite the tomb we we don't have a lot of detail here we can possibly imagine perhaps she's crying perhaps she's overwhelmed by pain perhaps she's silent just waiting for a miracle perhaps she's screaming and shouting we we actually don't know very much at all here other than her presence outside the tomb and her posture of sitting and I was thinking about this and I I would imagine her posture here shows that she knows her weakness. She knows her need. She's kneeling or sitting, almost like she's unable to stand without Jesus. But her presence suggests that even though she can't see Jesus, being close to him is the only answer. 
And spoiler alert, flashing forward, but we we know that Mary's actually the first person to see the risen Jesus. So I think there's something very significant in acknowledging that she doesn't just run to him once she's heard the good news. She goes to him and she sits with him before the good news, before the transformation, before the answer to her prayers, before the resurrection. So my encouragement for us today is even in these moments that could appear hopeless, these dark moments of pain, waiting, grief, loss, sitting with Jesus um, is what will lead to breakthrough. Sitting with Jesus is what will lead to breakthrough. So we can either sort of give our all for Jesus, keep pursuing him um, like Joseph did, even in the pain with our actions, or we can be pursuing him by just sitting with him, um, being present, being in his presence and waiting like Mary did. And the encouragement is that God's plan is bigger than what we can see in those moments and Jesus will not stay in the tomb. So we can hold on to hope. This morning we prayed um, that we might be people who persevere and imitate Christ in hard times, that we would be people who posture ourselves before Jesus and wait with him until we see the breakthrough. We prayed also for children and young people and families at home over Easter. Uh, they keep family unity um, in a time where maybe they've just got over homeschooling and then everybody is back again. Uh, and for all of us, we prayed that we would have good news shoes, that post Easter, we will share the hope that we have um, and pray for Alpha, for Food Bank, for Sundays and in our own lives, that we'll be people that put on our good news shoes and share the hope of Jesus.